This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Now we have been talking about, for the last couple of weeks, we had started, God had made a turn, and this morning He's going to make a slant. Note, note this. And understand this, whenever God is making an elevation or he's making a shift, he will do a slant, he'll do a turn, and he's easing you where he needs you to be. So in this slant, it is an elevation. It is an elevation because we're going to move toward another portion and another part of understanding godly knowledge, which is very important to us in this day and time. It's very important to us to understand that if we don't operate in godly knowledge, we will fail. If you don't operate in godly knowledge in your marriage, it will fail. If you don't operate in godly knowledge in your finances, it will fail. If you don't operate in godly knowledge in any aspect of your life, in making decisions, in doing any of those things, it will fail. You are a believer. This is kingdom life. You don't live like the world because you don't belong to the world. You are a child of the Most High, and He has kingdom rules, regulations, and He has business to take care of within His kingdom. He has knowledge as far as kingdom building, and for those that are in the kingdom. So, it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing in your family, God is talking to you because you belong to Him. Amen? Now, because we're making this slant this morning, go to, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, God is going to take us a little further. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at verse 6, it says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Now, the Word of God says that we have this treasure. It's a treasure we own. It's a treasure we have. He said, now it's in earthen vessels. In case you didn't know, you are an earthen vessel. Now, the treasure that we have in these earthen vessels is the light of the knowledge of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It is the light of the knowledge of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let me put it to you this way. We have this knowledge because God has made it possible for this knowledge to be on the inside of us. God has made it possible that this knowledge, and he calls it a treasure, to be on the inside of us. And he made it possible through Christ Jesus. And Christ Jesus has been illuminating that knowledge through us so the world can see it. And he's doing that by the Holy Spirit operating on the inside of us. And so we... 
pause and we allow the Spirit of God to work on the inside of us and we begin to show forth His glory so that the world might see. So we have this treasure on the inside of us. And God has put this treasure on the inside of a frail human being. How awesome is that? He took a frail human being and put a treasure in us. Now how can you how could you even think God doesn't love you? He put a treasure in frail human beings. Why? So that the light can shine. And so it can shine in a supernatural way where people will notice it and say, Oh my God, it's just something different in a supernatural way. So that eventually, as you walk in this treasure, in this wisdom, you will be able to do supernatural exploits as a frail human, as a frail human being. Supernatural exploits. Amen? And we do those things not for the believers. All believers should walk in that because he has a treasure in earthen vessel. But that the world may see and know that we serve a mighty God. We serve a mighty God. Amen. And the world will look on us and say, gosh, how can these frail human beings, how is it possible that they can do those things? How is it possible that they look like that? And how is it possible that they could just walk away from something like that? How is it possible that it's a peace about them, even in a storm? And we can... Stick our chest out and say it's the excellency of God through Christ Jesus. Nothing in and of ourselves but the excellency of God. And of course we are frail humans and you, so you know I couldn't do this on my own. Give you a great opportunity to minister. And, they'll, and, and I'm sure they'll look at it and say, how did God put that in human beings? They couldn't even save themselves, but look at them. Because you know we couldn't save ourselves, even though some people think they can. God has saved us. So it is this treasure that we have in earthen vessels. Now when others see the light of the godly knowledge that's in our lives, and through God, through Christ Jesus, they should be able to see that there is safety in that knowledge. You know what? safety in that knowledge there. You know, something about being around them. I just even feel safe around them. What, what is there seeing the safety in that knowledge? Godly knowledge. There's something else, though, about this knowledge, or godly knowledge, also that they should be able to see. And this is it. And this is where we're going to go today. And this is the strength. We need to understand that there is strength in godly knowledge. So if you're feeling weak, you got to say, where is my knowledge? Because there is strength in godly knowledge. Are you with me? And so I'm going to piggyback what I ministered on last week, the safety in knowledge, and, you know, understanding in this particular one that there is strength in knowledge. Now, we're going to look at a few things from last week, and then we're going to move forward, you know, about safety and knowledge. I said that knowledge reduces fear, and fear causes failure. 
I also said, gave you the definition of knowledge that was understanding moved to action. Or knowledge is understanding put into action. That was last week. And I think that it's a great way to look at knowledge when we understand it to a point where we put it into action. See, that's how, that's how I, God, Jesus Christ, that's how we know that you got it or understood it because it must be put into action. Quoting it won't get it. People quote it all the time. They, they love like illustrations that I may give or one of the other ministers. And they can quote those things or they can say those things. They can repeat some cliches and everything. But I'm looking for action. Because it's not until you put it into action that you actually understood it. Sounding good doesn't mean you understood it. Repeating it doesn't mean you understood it. Walking in it lets me know you understood that. Are you with me? So we have to make sure that we're putting into action. Another statement that I made, and I think is paramount, and, I, and, and, and it should stay in this church. We should teach it on all levels. And, that is, and, and I believe you should teach it in your homes as well. And that is that knowledge must turn. It must turn. It must come back. It must turn, turn, turn and come back in order to be beneficial. Very important you teach that at home. And see, in building this infrastructure that we're building, if knowledge is not present, and if knowledge doesn't turn in what we're building as wall builders and what we're stacking up on and beginning to build up, if knowledge does not turn, we will be doing it for naught. Because it won't go anywhere. It has to come back around. We've got to make sure of that. So we must be able to turn knowledge over to the next generation. That's our whole purpose here. Is that, and that's my whole purpose. That's my assignment before I leave the earth, is to make sure that I turn this over to the next generation. Now, this is something that's very significant and, and, and it's imperative that we know it is important for us to get this over to the next generation. We won't always be here. And we need it to go, for, we need it to turn. So we must push it through. Amen. Amen. Now, personally, if you look around and you look uh, and, and you think about our next generation, the next generation is not ready to take over. They're not ready. They're in the process, but they're not ready. See, sometimes you have to go, you have to go through the process. And a lot of times the process when it's starting don't look very good at the beginning, but you've got to wait and just go through the process. It's a process. Amen. And so when I look around and I see the different things that's going on and I see the different their lives and see how things are going and seeing what they're struggling with and things they're not, they're just not ready. Doesn't mean they don't love the Lord. Actually, they actually love the Lord and they want to be ready, but that's a process. And it takes time. Amen. And so, of course, that means we have a lot of work to do. 
We have a lot of work to do. Another statement that I made is that we cannot fault the fruit. We cannot fault the fruit. And they are the fruit. They came from the trees, and that's us. They are the fruit. We are the trees. So we are responsible. Because the Word of God said that you can make the tree bear good fruit. You can make the tree bear good fruit. But you must change the tree, though. you got to change what's going in the root of the tree so that the fruit will be good. The fruit is, is, is all our next generation. So as trees, we got to make sure that we're walking in such a manner, in such a way, that when we deliver the godly knowledge over to them, when we begin to minister to them, their, their fruit will be sweet. We don't want bitter fruit. And when we see someone that's out of order and out of line, where bitter fruit can come in, then we need to minister to them. We don't have to go and tell them how bad they are and what they No, we need to minister to them. We need to draw them close because you see something. And you'd be like, you know what? We need to give them an encouraging word. Give them a reason to want to come to you. Amen? Because we must turn this knowledge in an appropriate way. And it must be turned correctly. We must know and teach the next generation. Number one, to know the vision. We got to teach them. You got to know the vision. What is the vision? The vision is what we're trying to do. Now, if you've been if you've been in this ministry at any time, you ought to know that by now. You ought to know is what we're trying to do. We must teach them to know the plan. They got to know the plan. The plan is how we're going to carry out the vision. So we need to make sure that they know the plan. Then we need to teach them the motivation. And they must know, and the motivation is why we're doing what we're doing. We talked about that on last week. And all of that comes through knowledge. We must get to the correct knowledge so that we can turn the correct knowledge over to the next generation. That's a, that's a turn. That's a turn. Okay, it starts, what did we say last time? It starts with us. Then we turn it to the family. Our family, the family, you gotta, you gotta start at home first with you. Turn it to the family, gotta turn to the infrastructure. It gotta be here. It's gotta keep turning. And it come, and it'll come back in order for it to work. It has to come back. So what I want to do in this teaching is to provide us to seek the knowledge of God more diligently and establish a personal relationship with godly knowledge. We must establish a personal relationship. And it, you have to have diligence in that. You've got to seek it diligently. Not just counsel. You've got to seek it diligently. Amen? And when I use the word diligently, I mean you got to be persistent and consistent. You got to be persistent and consistent. Make a a persistent and a consistent application of what you know. Once it's given to you, I got it. Now I'm gonna go constantly after this. I'm gonna if I fail, I'm gonna get back up until I get it right. I'm gonna persist. 
to get this godly knowledge. I want to convince us that we must seek the knowledge of God more diligently and establish a relationship with it. Become one with it. In other words, when I say establish a relationship, I'm talking about making the godly knowledge and yourself one. There's no in-between. There's not godly knowledge and me. It must muse together as one. It should be no difference. It should be no back and forth. It should be so much a part of you, you don't even have to think about it. It just flows. Because it's not what I do. It's who I am. Amen? And this is why you want to make it one. With your, and become one with God in knowledge. Because in the times of troubles, you may not be able, you may not have time to figure it out. You may not have time to, to stop and go get your notes. You may not have time to go look it up in the Bible. <laughs> you just may, you, 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 you may not have time for all of that. So if, if you're one with it, you don't need all of that. Because it's who you are. It's not what you do. I know what to do in this situation because, you know, I've become one with the knowledge. I have knowledge on that. And I just flow out of it. Amen? So we must act out of which we have a relationship with. So if you don't have a relationship with godly knowledge, how can you act out of it? You're going to act out what you have a relationship with. So when you see people acting worldly, that's who they have a relationship with. When you see somebody doing something outside of it, that's who they have a relationship with. So we're looking for you to have a relationship, a working relationship with godly knowledge that's going to take you very far. And it has to be consistent. And pre-assistant, you gotta, you gotta, you, I mean, you gotta, you gotta keep going. I'm persistent in this. I'm persistent in this. I'm gonna get this. I don't care. I'm good. I don't care how I missed it. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna persist, persist, persist. Because you can. If you look at it, that's why musicians, that's why dancers, that's why athletes, why do you think they practice over and over and over again? Because they have to, they, they gotta be consistent. You know, you, you look at, let's say, you look at a, a running back or someone that plays football and, and the running back is the one that runs with the ball to make touchdowns, right? Well, why is it that all the time? Now, you, they've been playing ball for years. Why do they spend hours and hours still catching it? Don't you think to yourself, well, they know how to catch now, don't they? No, they persist. They keep doing it over and over and over again so that when it happens, when the ball is thrown to them, then they know what to do. They know how to make the next move. They know what to do next. Why? Because they practice and practice. Dancers don't get up and you be like, oh, they don't even need to practice. They can do it. No, they need to practice. Because if you don't practice, when it's time to go, you're not going to be great. I don't care how good a musician you are. You got to still practice, practice, practice. Why do you think they do rudiments over and over and over? And you be like, they don't even need that. They play so good. No. You got to be consistent, persistent. Keep going. Keep going. And I keep, why? I get better and better. And you know what that makes them? They just become one with what they're doing. They become one with what they're doing. Because they're constantly doing it. 
They're persistent no matter what. They be like, no, I can't miss that. I need to practice. I need to practice. Oh, you don't really need to practice. You got this. No, no, no. That's trouble for you. Are you following me? So, you, I, I want you to catch this because this is, and, and, and I don't want you to get caught up with my illustrations so much as I am talking about how you must do and what you must do to obtain this godly knowledge. You got to be consistent and persistent. You got to keep going. I keep, I'm keep going. It doesn't matter. I'm persistent in this. Amen. The first thing that we need to understand is that if I'm not consistent, then my life is not going to be consistent in the things of God. It, it will not. I don't care how much you love Him. But if there's no consistency in loving God and getting this knowledge, if you will not have the consistency in walking in the things of God. Amen? So, we understand. Now, this is critical. If you do not become one with the knowledge and teach the next generation how to become one with the knowledge, everything will fail. Not maybe it'll fail, it will fail. Listen, and some of you got children that you'd be like, oh, they're not into it like that. It doesn't matter. Let me tell you, God has heard your prayers. You just be consistent and persistent. That's all you have to That's your part. Don't you give up because God is well able. And when God gets through, they're going to think it's their idea. So let them think it whatever. But you can't. You'd be like, oh, well, I'm just going to just, just do me. No. You pray and you thank God every day. Oh, no. I'm not losing not a one. I'm not losing them. I'm not. God is faithful. And His promises are immutable. Unchanging. And if He promised you that, don't you worry. Don't you worry. Even if you leave the planet, don't you worry. It's going to happen. God cannot lie. He swore it with an oath. He cannot lie. So that's the confidence you have. I don't care what mistakes they made. I don't care what they do. I don't care what they're doing right now. And it seems like they ain't going to never do it. No, don't ever speak that out of your mouth. Speak out of your mouth. Oh, they're coming soon. And when they act the bigger fool, say, oh, you're almost there. You're almost there. Yeah, instead of going all the way. No, you're almost there. Why? Not because you trust them, but you trust the promises of God. He cannot lie. Unchangeable. He said, I'll take a solitary in the family and save the whole family. You're not going to lose a one. As long as you stay consistent and persistent. You're the one. So now, now just take it if the one don't, the whole family's in trouble. Because the one didn't stay consistent. I'm through praying, praying for them. Why? I'm not trusting them. I'm trusting God. Never trust the, the person. They frail just like you. Trust in the mighty God. Amen. And see, one thing about it, you know, a lot of times people want to be safe and sound. But let me tell you something. Do you know you can be safe without being sound? You can be safe without being sound. Are you with me? 
And the way that you stay sound and become sound is to establish a relationship with godly knowledge. You stay sound. You stay, you, you already say you stay sound. So that it's an automatic response. It has to be an automatic response. Rather than something, you know, you have to, you, you know, you, you don't have to keep running to counseling. You have, you're sound. Well, I need to go and I need to get counseling on that. Oh, well, I need to go. Where's that CD that, that, that they were talking about that I need to do that? Where, you, ooh, let me go get my Bible. I gotta look that up. See, that's all fine and well, but you don't need all of that if you become one with the knowledge. It's embedded in you. And, and, I, and, now, and now this is different from memorizing. <laughs> Anybody can memorize it. That's not becoming one with it. We'll see that a little later on. Because see, some people think if I can memorize it, I can quote it. I got it. But oh no. That's not it. That's why I'm not impressed with anybody reading the Bible through for a year. Because reading the Bible through, that, that's, that's nothing. Reading anything in the Word is nothing until you get revelation. It's just words. Well, let, let, let me put it this way. Reading the Bible is just knowledge. It's not until you have become one with God and He opens it up to you, then it's real. Then it's like it goes beyond knowledge. It comes, it goes to godly knowledge. Then it goes where it's, it's embedded in my life and I can start changing. Things start changing. Everything start opening up. I see things different. So you want more than just knowledge. Anybody can read the Bible through. Sit down and talk to him and see what they've learned from it. See, have it been opened up to him? Because I can read the Bible, some things I can read, and it's not opened up to me. It's just simply knowledge. And then I go back and I've spent some time with God and I read it and it's opened up to me. It's like, oh my God, why didn't I see that at first? Because you didn't have a working relationship with that at that time. So reading it is one thing. Studying it and having a working relationship with it is totally, totally different. Amen? Now, let's move forward. My purpose is to convince you, by the Word of God, that acting on and exercising godly knowledge strengthens the trinity of your person. It will strengthen the trinity of your person, spirit, soul, and body. See, we have to keep acting on it and acting on it and acting on it and acting on it and acting on it until it becomes automatic response. That's what's called discipline. That's discipline. Discipline is an automatic response to righteousness. Discipline is an automatic response to righteousness. I'll say it again. Discipline is an automatic response to righteousness. Once you get disciplined to something, it's just an automatic response. Have you noticed? Anything in the natural, once you're disciplined to it, it's just an automatic response. And all of us are disciplined in something. In our lives. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. We're disciplined in something. Did you hear me? You're disciplined in something. 
Oh, I'm just so indisciplined. Yeah, but only in that area. You can be disciplined in spinning, in spending. You're disciplined in something. So never say, you know, I just can't get disciplined. No, it's an area that you don't want to be disciplined in. But you're disciplined. Whether it's good, bad, you are disciplined. Amen? But one thing about discipline is, discipline will keep you out of trouble. I've heard that. Discipline will keep you out of trouble. My objective of this teaching is how to strengthen your spirit with the knowledge, uh, which, the, which, let me say it again. My objective is to teach us how to strengthen your spirit with the knowledge of God, with the knowledge of God, with godly knowledge. I want to strengthen you, your spirit, strengthen it. You got to get strong in your spirit with godly knowledge. Secondly, I want to strengthen your mind with godly knowledge. Uh, you you got to have a, your mind strong with godly knowledge. I want to strengthen your body with godly knowledge. I want to strengthen your sphere of influence with godly knowledge. You have a sphere of influence. Or maybe we call it your environment. But where, where your sphere of influence need to be, make sure that godly knowledge is all around it. So let's take off. Because our goal is that you be strong in the Lord through the knowledge of His Word. In the face of Christ Jesus. God has provided all of this that we have through Jesus Christ. Now, number one, obedience must be in play. Obedience in this teaching, obedience must be in play. The only way, and that's the only way that you're going to be rewarded from God, you must have obedience in play. It's through obedience. And obedience shows forth the excellency of God's will. Obedience shows forth the excellency of God's will. And when we obey, it gives God an opportunity to show off. Well, let's say it this way. It gives Him an opportunity to show up and show out. If you don't know God like showing out, then you haven't read the Bible. Because He has showed out continuously. In my, let me, if you don't think God wasn't showing out when He parted the Red Sea, what do you call that? I mean, really? You just did that like that? Yeah. God will show up and He will show out and you'll be like, oh my God. He is great. Do you think He wouldn't show out when Daniel in the lions did? That's a showing out. He's like, well, you know, go sleep on them. Just make them pillows. You think He wasn't showing out with the Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace? Come out not smelling like something. That's showing out. Showing up and showing out. All over the scriptures. I like, my favorite part is when Paul was preaching. And preached so long the man fell out the window and died. Paul goes downstairs, lay across the man's body. God showing up and showing out. Brings him back to life. Then go back up and preach again until the next morning. That's showing out. And then, if that wasn't good enough, Paul, they get ready to leave. Instead of Paul getting in the boat with the other guy, Paul's so fired up that God that showed out, he walks to the next meeting. 
I said, God, now, if y'all ain't showing out, he said, now, I'll show out for you. I'll show up and show out. You can read all over the scriptures. God loves to show forth his strength. And he want to do it through you. And notice, all the time he did it, he always showed it up in people. Somebody was involved in it. He just didn't do it. He just did it. Okay, let me do it. With Moses, everybody. But Paul's cold. How you bring a man back to life and go back to preaching for a whole night and all through the night? I'm like, I'm telling you, God was on the scene. Paul was long-winded too. That the man fell out the window and just, just, just died. And Paul said, excuse me, one minute, everybody stay, stay where you are. Goes downstairs, lay on the man, bring him back to life, and goes back up and preaching like, that's, see, that's the kind of people I want to pastor. See, they weren't, he wasn't even excited about the man getting raised from the dead. He's like, I, 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 I knew that would happen. Confident in God. What he said, and then goes back and preaches all night long. God gave him strength. And then walked to the next meeting like, get in the boat with the God. No, I'm fired up. That's called being one with the Word. That's my favorite one. Amen. And so we need to understand that God is going to always have an opportunity to show off in our lives. And you know what it is? It's a righteousness building principle. Did you hear me? It's a righteousness building principle. It teaches us how to live in a blessed, blessed state. Because we always expect God. Have the expectation. It teaches us how to live without begging God all the time. So many things come up, you know, in, in, in our the just way of life. And you know what? When you all into God, you, you begin to turn your mind away from your own needs and to the needs of someone else. Because it, it's building up something in you. Are you following me? It teaches us how to put faith into action. Remember, faith without works is dead. Obedience is the work of faith. Obedience is the work of faith. I've never seen anyone of strong faith and there was no works. Never. On your own time, go over to Hebrews 11 and show, try to find somebody in that Hebrews 11 there that had faith without works. Every one of them had faith with works. So I'm fully persuaded fully persuaded that you can't tell me you have faith and there's no works. They go together. So let's start with number one, how to strengthen the spirit by the knowledge of God. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, a few pages over. We're going to start with this prayer that Paul prayed. Because what Paul is praying here is, he's praying that their spirit would be strengthened with the knowledge of God. Because he knows that the only way for them to be successful in your natural Christian life is for them to be strengthened on the inside in their spirit. 
So, how do we get that done? How do we be strengthened in the Spirit? I think the keys and the answer is in this prayer that Paul prayed. So let's, let, let, let's, let, let's seek them out. Let's, let's start at verse, um, verse 14. Verse 14. Because God is faithful. Let me make sure that that's where I want to be. In 14. You know what? These old eyes are getting very, very old. <laughs> but God is faithful. Okay, so in in uh, Hebrews, I mean Ephesians three, beginning at verse fourteen. Are you there? It reads, "For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He will grant you according to His riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the." inner man in the inner man now I, this is what I noticed I noticed what he said if you look look at verse 1 just, just look at verse 1 and 3 I like what Paul said he said Paul the prisoner of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles now he says I'm a prisoner he said I'm locked up And want to be locked up. Here's a man that was a prisoner and wasn't looking to escape. Wasn't looking looking uh, of any way of getting away. He had a lifetime sentence, Paul did. A lifetime sentence. That's where I'm at. A lifetime sentence, and I'm okay with it. I'm a prisoner. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm in jail and I want to stay. I'm talking about me personally. I'm in jail and I want to stay. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Why? Because I'm in a safe place. I'm in a safe place. See, you can't get in trouble if you're already in jail. You can't get in trouble if you're already in jail. I love being right there. I love being in solitary confinement. A lot of times in your assignment, you have a lot of solitary confinements. And if you already have a life sentence and you're going to heaven, hey, I'm winning. I'm winning. Now here's Paul, and look what he says. I'm going to read it again because it's just so good. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to his riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by the Spirit in the inner man. Now that gives you the answer right there. Here is how your spirit is strengthened. Your spirit is strengthened on the inside. On the inside. Oh, I love that. By the Spirit of God. In your inner man. Have you noticed God is like your outer man is okay. That's just the house you live in. But I'm dealing with that inner man. What a, what a, what a, what a marvelous God. So when we open up our lives... And ask Jesus to come into our hearts. 
and fill us with His Spirit. This is what happens to us. His Spirit strengthens our spirit. This is the only way it has to be spirit to spirit. That's the only way it's going to happen. His Spirit is going to mesh with your spirit on the inside. That's why the Holy Ghost is there. It's spirit to spirit. It has to be spirit to spirit. That's the way it works. Are you with me? God is a spirit. You are a spirit. And if you're going to be strengthened, you're going to be strengthened by the spirit. No other way. No other way. Watch this in verse 16. I like that. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. By his spirit in the inner man. His spirit is what? Truth. His word is the spirit. Look at verse 17. For Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him, him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Now that, that, that settles it. That, that gives you the answer right there. He's, that, that's it. But let's take that apart. Because right here, I think that you will find out how to be strengthened in the Spirit by the knowledge of God. First, first thing is, Christ must dwell in your heart. By faith. That should be your letter A or however you're doing it on your notes. The first thing I have to do according to, from, from verse 17 to 21, I, Christ must dwell in my heart by faith. Now, this is a big problem in the church today. Christ doesn't dwell in the hearts of every church member by faith. That's, that's the reality. That's reality. When Christ dwells in your heart by faith, you know what happened? It restrains you. It restrains you from doing certain things. It just restrains you because it's dwelling in your heart. You're like, you know what? I can't. It restrains you. When God, when God dwells in our heart by faith, you can make mistakes. And you can sin. But with the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of you by faith, it causes you so quick to repent. If it doesn't cause you quickly to repent, you, you should have a broken and contrite spirit because your heart because he dwells there. I know it is for me. Whenever I, something that, that I know that I shouldn't do or, or I've done and I'll be like, oh no, that doesn't feel good. Oh, Father, no, 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 I can't, I can't. It's a contrast like, oh, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for even thinking that way. That's just a wrong thought altogether. If it doesn't bother you, 
something's wrong. If it doesn't bother you, something is wrong. Because it's going to dwell in your heart by faith. And see, for me, me and God, is we're good. And I don't want anything to happen to that relationship. So I can't afford to stay in any, anything, any foolishness. That's why I'm quick to repent. I'm like, uh-uh. I don't want anything to happen to the relationship I have with Him. And the thing that drives me the most is that relationship with God. That's what keeps me going. My children and my grandchildren, that's a whole other thing. But this is what keeps me going. My relationship with God. And I purpose in my heart, I guard it with all diligence. That's why I don't let any and everybody in my life. Because, and, and for just that simple reason, I guard it with all diligence. You have to guard your heart. So I trust God. And I, and I believe and I know that God trusts me. And because he's omniscient, I know he knows how much he can trust me. And I want to use each day to expand that avenue of trust. I want to stay yielded. I don't want to breach that trust of God for no one. For absolutely no one. Usually when the, your trust is damaged with God, usually that person that, that you know, you, you never know, you never right. You, you, it's just not right. When you, when you just, that, that trust is gone, you never return back to the normal state. It's like, oh no, uh-uh, uh-uh. I, 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 gotta, I gotta keep the trust. So that's why if I know who to bring close. I know who to handle with a long handle spoon. I know, but now I love everybody, but I know who to bring close. And 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 just because I have a small, very very tight, tight, small, small group, it doesn't mean I don't love everybody. And it doesn't mean that, that you, you can't, you know, you can't come close. Uh, uh, I, I know how to handle each and every one. And still show love to all. Jesus did. He had a core. You have to. You have to. You gotta know, know when to hold them and know when to fold them. And I do know. Amen? Nothing. I will not allow anything to come against that. When I think of David, I think of, and I think of the great men of the Bible, you know what? I don't ever want my relationship with God to be damaged that would cause me to want to uh, uh, just, just be put out there because I just damaged something. So many of them in the Bible, they damaged a lot of things with their, with, with their relationship with God. They loved God, but it was a lot of damaging things that we can read about. And if you go back and look, their relationship was not ever quite the same, 
But I mean, they, God's still loving. They made heaven. But I don't want to be in that group. I don't want to be in that group. I want God to be able to trust me. Amen. So he his so his his word and his knowledge have to dwell in my heart by faith. By faith I mean that unshakable confidence. That's what I have. That unshakable confidence even in the midst of turmoil, even in the midst of trouble. I, I understand that. I get that. I believe that. Even when my thoughts get off a little, I still know that He hears me. I still know it. He heard me. And see, that's when you're strengthening the Spirit. I never put myself down to the point where I say, oh, well, you know what, I know, I know he's not listening. Oh, God, please listen to me. I know you're not listening. I know that he hears me. I've been strengthening the Spirit to know that even if my thoughts are off, because I know he's dealing with me about every thought, that relationship I will not have tainted, and I will not let anyone come in and destroy so it you know it, you know people they you know they want to talk to you about this and they want to talk to you about that i'm not with that because i got to keep my relationship pure why because i'm on assignment and because there's people that depend on me i can't a lot of things that you all can't afford i can't i just can't and i'm okay with that because guess what? I'm a prisoner that wants to stay a prisoner. I like God's jail. I like his solitary confinement. I'm good with that. Only thing about God's jail is he always leaves the door unlocked. He'll let you leave anytime you want to. He don't like it's jail, but he said, but anytime you want to, I'm never going to keep you where you don't want to go. And I'm still sitting in there, and I'm like, I'm not touching that door to go out. I have a lifetime sentence, and I'm not trying to escape. Some of you ought to put yourself on the block and become a lifetime. Just, just, just like, you know what, Barbara, give me that sentence. Until the day I die. Unshakable confidence, that's what it's called. And this is how you learn to listen to your spirit. Your spirit says, God, you know, here, you know, you know, this, that. God hears everything you say. Every thought you think. You don't even have to open your mouth when you have a relationship with God. Let me tell you, your spirit man to say, God heard that. Mm. That spirit man be saying, you know you can't do that. You, can, you know you can't think like that. You can't do it. And you be like, nope, I can't. Let me drop that right now. I was telling them yesterday, I'm like, you know, sometimes God be speaking to you about things. And you wish he'd just holler at you so you can just get this thing over with and say, fool, stop acting a fool. That's what you want him to say. But he never does. 
It's always that still, quiet voice. It's just so easy. You'd be like, come on, chop my head off. It's just a still, you know that's out of order and out of line. And you just and you just move on back like you right, God. You right. But you gotta have a working relationship for that. Now, letter B. We must comprehend the power of the knowledge of God. You must understand there's power in the knowledge of God. You know, the only way that we can do that is to allow ourselves to have some experiences with God. When you have some experiences with God, you get a spiritual perception by faith in your inner man. Like, oh my God. And you know what? And it causes you to move in that inner assurance of the things of God. When you have experiences with God, I'm telling you, you get bolder. You be like, oh no, I know what God's... No, I'm boldly going to go there. You get bold. You got that inner assurance. You feel like I can just step up and do it. I can step up and say it. Knowing that I have access to God through Christ Jesus, I can. And I have access to God through Christ Jesus into the supernatural. See, that's what's coming in this church. Not foolishness. I want access to God to the supernatural things. The supernatural things is the act of knowing. (laughs) Comprehending. Seeing on the inside much clearer than you can even see on the outside. See, that's the kind of supernatural I'm talking about. I'm not talking about all this, you know, laying in, people falling down. That's not even supernatural. That's just people just doing stuff. I want that, I want that, that supernatural where I can, you know, I can understand and see things even before they happen. To benefit the kingdom. Not to say, I saw this and not, no, 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 no foolishness. You know, we never deal with foolishness around here. I said, this supernatural is the act of knowing, comprehending, seeing on the inside clearer than I see on the outside. See, I want to see on the inside clearer than I see on the outside. I comprehend the knowledge of God, the power of the knowledge. His godly knowledge is power. When I look at the church and all the ones that are part of this church and what God has done, and I see the young and the next generation rising up, I see the knowledge of God. I see the process working. I see the process working. When something changes your life, like the knowledge of God has changed it, we need to try to get a spiritual perception of faith down on the inside of us. It got to be down deep, down on the inside of us, to what actually happened to us. God, show me exactly what happened to me. See, most people don't ask God that. Since you've come in my life, what has happened to me, down on the inside. That's different. On the inside. That's what the Bible means when it said you should always bear about in your body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
You have to keep those things in your mind, in your heart, and those things will keep you on track. I always think about that. It'll keep you on track. One way to stay on course with God is never forget where you come from. Sometimes we don't want to look back because we come from some ugly stuff. But he didn't say, you know, he said forgetting the past. He didn't say go in and just drool on it and, oh, I wish I wouldn't do it. No, he said just, it'll help you to know what I've done on the inside. I know where I come from. I know it's hard, but you have to remember. Because if you don't, you can get so comfortable, so comfortable at looking at people doing some of the same things you used to do, and you start judging them. Because now you have, you know, you done, you done got away from it. Now you're judging them. Because I done forgot where I came from. But if you always look back where you come from, you see somebody do something that you did, you, instead of ministering to them, you're talking about them. You're putting them down. Look at that old nasty fool. Well, they learned it from you. You were a chief participant. But see, you forgot it. I was a chief participant. So how can I just try to judge anybody else? All of a sudden you forgot you the very same thing you did. How to be strengthened in the spirit of the knowledge of God, we must know the love of God. So you have to know that God loves you as an individual. God loves you. Listen, when a person is depressed, they do not know that God loves them. You're a believer and, and you're depressed. You do not know God loves you. Don't be so proud to holler. Yeah, because I was in depression and I'm in depression and I'm depressed. No, it's because you don't understand that God loves you. Everything always happened to me. That's because you don't know God loves you. Did you hear me? Listen, if it wasn't for God loving you, you'd be in a worse spot. God loves you. He loves me. You've got to get a revelation of that. No matter what I've done, God loves me. Now, people can believe that God exists, but it's very hard for them to accept that God loves them. They, it's just hard. They, you know, they, they, they can walk in, in the Word to a degree, yet they don't know that God loves them. And they'll even tell you, you know, you might be counseling them or something, and they'll be like, well, I know, uh-uh, God couldn't love me. You don't know what I did. Why come God couldn't love me? You don't know what I did. Well, you don't know what I did. And I ain't about to tell you. But all of us have done something. Everybody's done something. But you got to get a revelation that God loves you in spite of what you've done. God loves you. Let me tell you how you can know God loves you. 
First of all, none of us could help ourselves. If we could, we would have. None of us. If we could have helped ourselves, God didn't have to. Do. Well, if we could have helped ourselves, God would have just hollered from heaven. Alva? Yes, sir? Help yourself. He knew we couldn't. He sent Jesus because we couldn't help ourselves. He loved us enough to send Jesus. Have you ever heard that saying? People say it all the time, and you may have even said it yourself. God help those who help themselves. Well, girl, let me tell you, but yes, amen. Because God helped those who help himself. Listen, let me, let me give you a revelation on that. That is so unscriptural. So very unscriptural. That was thrown from the pit of hell because you can't help yourself. As a matter of fact, some people think it's in the Bible. You know who said that? God helped those who helped himself. Benjamin Franklin said that, not God. And everybody then got it like God said it. Benjamin Franklin made that statement, and now everybody act like God. But God helped those who helped themselves. No, God knew you couldn't help yourself. Well, just think about it. If all of us helped ourselves, we'd be in a pickle. Thank God we can't help ourselves. We would be in trouble if all of us helped ourselves. Thank God. He said, don't you do nothing. You just believe. Because you don't. So now, if you've said it, stop saying it. And if you hear somebody else say it, say, you know who said that, right? Benjamin Franklin, not God. No, it's in the scriptures. Say, show it to me. Show it to me. We can't help ourselves. The Bible says when we were yet without strength, in sin, Christ died. We were blind, alienated, shut off from the life of God. We were hopeless until Jesus Christ came for us. And God, out of his tender mercies at that time, gave his only begotten son. And I believe that God looked down on earth and he saw that he said, you know what, it's time. They can't help themselves. We got to go, I still love them and I want them. And we need to go down there and get them. Because they are just going on and they can't help themselves. As a matter of fact, they're getting worse. So we got to go get them. And I know, I know, word, I know you don't want to be separated from me. But this is bigger than you being separated from me. Many back into the kingdom. We got to go get them. Because we was helpless. He said, and then when we get them, get, let's, let's, let me show you what we're going to do with them. We're going to call them to sit in heavenly places with us. We're going to bring them up high and have them sit with us. 
But they can't do that without you going to get them, though. Because they can't help themselves. He said, I'm going to make them the top and not the bottom. Now, how can you not think God don't love you? If you think God don't love you after him doing all that, I don't know what else to tell you. He didn't have to go through all that because he hated you. God loves you. The fact that he saved us is evident that he loves us in spite of us. God loved us. You know, that's one thing that we can depend on, and it's a guarantee. You need to know that God loves. He said, this love is going to surpass your understanding. See, we cannot figure out how God could love us in the state that we're in. We can't figure out how God loves someone in prison that have done bad things. We, it passes our understanding. See, love never fails. Then we must feel with all the fullness of God and never disdain the gift of God. Did you hear me? We must be filled with all the fullness of God and never disdain the gift of God. I'll say it again. We must be filled with all the fullness of God and never disdain the gift of God, the spiritual gifts of God. You know, some people say some of that stuff has passed away. You know, they don't want to deal with the spiritual gifts either. That's in the scripture. It's passed away. Well, now, wait a minute. I want to know who is so smart that can say something has passed away. Who is so knowledgeable, so smart enough to know what has passed away? You know, you have to be very bold, a very bold person to look at God's word and say this passed away or that passed away. And then you go over a couple of more pages and it said, I change not. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then we have preachers, they get up in the pulpit and they say, and they, they, they say those things. They say, this has passed away. And they only say that things, certain things have passed away because they don't have it. That's the only reason why they say it. Well, no, it didn't pass away, it passed you by. It's still here. It just passed you by. Because he's the same. Well, if it was, it would have to be passed away because I don't have it. Get it. Because it's here. Nothing is passed away. Amen. So, we understand that the. People can say that, you know, healing passed away, baptism of the Holy Spirit passed away, everybody's scared of tongues, you know, that's the whole deal with the Holy Spirit, so it has to pass away, I can't do that, so, you know, and God keeps telling us, I am the same. He told Malachi, I am the Lord God, I change not, for a purpose. Now, that's about as plain as you can get it. It ain't nothing else to say about that. Well, he changed that one time. No, 
No. He changed not. And then we must walk in faith knowing that there is a power that's working on the inside of us. You must walk in faith knowing and believing that there is a power that's working on the inside of us. Now, when I say by faith, you may not feel that power, but you must believe that it is working. See, it's not about a feeling for power, because you may not feel it. You know, when I go into my office at home and I begin to prepare a message, I don't feel anything at the time. When I go in there, I don't feel anything. Now, once I get in there and get, get going and meditating and researching and praying and meditating and doing all that, well, something happens and it changes me. But when I first go in, I don't. I don't feel anything. If I was waiting for a feeling, you would never get a message. If you're waiting for a feeling to come over you, you'd never get anything done. It's not about a feeling. you got to believe. And when I go in there, every time I go in there and I prepare and I pray and I ask God, I, what I'm trusting in, what I'm believing, that there's something working on the inside of me. See, I, I believe that. There's a working going on on the inside of me. That's why once I get in there, then everything changes. And every, as, I, as I go, it doesn't, it doesn't be like I walk in the room and ooh, everything changes. No. I walk in. I might walk back out. I might go get a bag of chips. I might do, sit around and do like, well, okay, okay, I need to go in and get. I, everything just, Nothing. Nothing spiritual about it. See, I, I'm, not, I'm not playing no spooky stuff with you. When I go in, under, uh, no, if I ever do that run, something else has me. She went in there and she came out and it was her, her face changed. She needed a, no, that would be Moses. Yeah. You know, people want to get spooky like that. They want to get into all that. No, I don't do any of that. My grandchildren be talking to me, and i am got my books, and I hear their dad say, Leave Madam alone. Get up them steps and leave her alone. And, 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 and I'm still trying to talk to him, and I don't feel anything. It's not until I get quiet, and I start going through pages, and I start looking up stuff, and I start thinking about stuff, and I go back and look at some of my husband's notes, and I go and look at different things. I do. It's not until then that something actually happens. Are you following me? I, I, I want you to get this because, uh, you know, people, they, they want to play this deal. I need to go on a mountain and see God. Now, I know. Just in my prayer room up there. I don't have to go nowhere. He meet me right where I am. Are you following me? So we need to understand that that is working on the inside. We must walk in faith knowing that on the inside of us that God is working. That is a working relationship going. It's on the inside. Get that. Get that. You're not gonna, it's not about a feeling. I go into my studying by faith that the power is working on the inside of me. And it has never failed to show up. Because it's on the inside of me. Amen? 
So, you have to believe, okay, Father, the power needs to be working on the inside of me. But, and you know what? Because I know and I believe that God loves me. I know and believe that God loves me. And you know what? When I go in, uh, when things are going on, everything, I know I'm going to finish my course. I know that. I believe that. Because of what God is speaking to my heart. I have to finish this course. So, in that, I'm not afraid of certain fear. Or sudden fear. Because God said, no, you're going to finish this course. I have to finish it. How to strengthen our mind with the knowledge of God. Now, this is very critical. Very critical stuff here. To your walk. You need to be strengthened we are not talking about with physical muscles. We're talking about strengthen in the inner man. Okay? We're talking about strengthen with the inner man. How to strengthen the mind. We need our mind also strengthened with the knowledge. Go to Philippians. A few pages over. Chapter 2. How do you strengthen your mind with the knowledge of God? How do you strengthen your mind with the knowledge of God? In Philippians chapter 2. Beginning at verse 1, it says, it, <clears throat> If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let every and let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So the only thing that you have to do to strengthen your mind, stated here, is all you have to do is find out what was in Christ Jesus' mind. Because he said, let this mind be in you that's also in Christ Jesus. So that brings me to find out what was in his mind. If mine need to be like that. What was in his mind? i got to find out what's in Christ Jesus' mind. Let this mind, he said, let this attitude, let this comprehension the same thing, let the outlook be just like Christ. Look at verse 6. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal to God. Okay. That's a big one. First of all, he considered all that God had, had available to him, was uh, himself was available to him. Everything that God had. Because he said, being in the form of God, he, he understood. Everything that God had was available to him. Look at verse 6. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal to God. Because everything that was God was his. It wasn't robbery. That's why he said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, what I speak, is, you've heard my Father speak. I love that. Then that's good. That's a big one. Everything. Look at verse 7. 
but made of himself no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth. That says to me that it should say to you, we serve Christ, that we can live in him, move and have our being in him, and and God has given him a name that is above every name. So listen, so to strengthen my mind, I say this, in every situation, whenever my mind is challenged, I always remind myself, my mind, you can do this. Why? Because you have the mind of Christ. So whenever I'm challenged, whenever something comes up, I go back in my mind and say, you can do this because you have the mind of Christ. Think like Him. It's all over the Scriptures. How He thought. How forgiving He was. How He knew when to be quiet and when to speak. That's how I strengthened my mind. You have the mind of Christ. So I have to ask myself, can I find anywhere in here where God was, where Christ was depressed? Then I can't have that mind. Can I find anywhere in here where he was stressed? Even under, he had stressful circumstances. But did you find him stressed? I do find in here where under pressure, he was relieving everybody stressed around him. But do you find him stressed? Do you find anywhere in the scripture, wherever, where you saw Jesus being negative? That this mind be in you, that's also in Christ Jesus, that is the kind of mind we must have. Start adjusting now. Guess what? We can have that mind. It Listen, it is not robbery or arrogant for us to have the mind of Christ. What do you mean there? You're getting arrogant. You got the mind of Christ. That's what I'm striving for. Because God told me I should. Let this mind be in you. That was also in Christ Jesus. And you know what kind of mind he had? A sound one. He had a sound mind. You want a sound mind? Let this mind be in you. That's it. So when I, when if I want to get depressed, if I want to start thinking all crazy, say, wait a minute. I have the mind of Christ. I got to find a scripture where he was like that. He was never like that. And have you noticed he wasn't like that? Because he was always in prayer. He was prayer when they were sleeping. He'd go off for a little bit and he'd go here and pray, he'd go there and pray. He was always talking to the Father. I believe when you have the mind of Christ, this is what makes you instant, in season and out. Because I have the mind of Christ. No matter what you're going through, even in pain in your body, even if you have an illness and there's pain in your body, even if there's pain in your heart, 
if you're going to be strengthened in the mind, it's going to be through the knowledge of God. Then we must develop the proper attitude about the knowledge of God. See, that's what's going to mend your broken heart. That's what's going to mend anything that's... If you're you're going through troubles in your body, if you got a bad report, this is what's going to change it. Your mindset. And there's a lot of people, they're saved, but they are not, you know, they're not sound and they're in the church. We need to have a sound mind. Many are saved, but just don't have a sound mind. They're not sound. And listening to the messages, they're not doing anything. Listen. This is what this, this is what you have to see because see we think everybody's right when they come in and they listen to them, they're not really doing anything sinful not nothing sinful keep that in mind but I'm gonna show you how they're not sound though they come they hear the message but they they're not doing anything sinful but in their minds. They're on shaky ground. They're like, yeah, but they still, you know, they still got a little shaky ground. They're being challenged. A sound mind, no matter what the challenge challenge is, you're gonna think like God. You're gonna think like Jesus. You're gonna say, no, nope, mm-mm. Some of you are wondering right now what level of challenge that, that you can take. Because you're going to be challenged. If you haven't, you will. Just hold up. You will. And some of you think, well, what kind of challenge can I have before I fall? Sometimes some challenges take, take believers down where they fall. But we have to strengthen our minds to a point where you're comfortable because my mind has been certain that no matter, I'm so comfortable that no matter what the devil puts in front of me, he cannot manipulate my mind. You have to be able to stay in control. No matter what he puts in front of you. No matter what he Now, for example, death. It's not necessarily that the enemy's putting that in front of you. That's a part of life. But he'll put thoughts in, he'll put the thoughts in front of you. Thoughts. You got to stay in control. You got to stay in control when you don't want to be in control. When you say, I don't want to be in control. I just, I don't want to. I, I just don't want to. And you have to say, no, you, you stay in control. I let this mind be in me that's in Christ Jesus. That push me forward. That's how you stay in control. You have to say it out loud. I'm in control. Did you hear me? There is not one believer, I don't care how much you know the word, that does not have the propensity to fail. Not a one. Or to fall. Not a one. Every believer on the face of the earth has the propensity to fall. Why? Because the flesh is not born again. Everyone does. Everyone does. 
So therefore we must be strengthened above the falling point. That is, we can be tempted, but not yield. We're going to always be tempted. Sorry, you're just not going to get around that. But we can be tempted and not yield. Did you hear me? You're going to be tempted. You need to be strengthened in your mind and in your spirit beyond the fall point. There's always a fall point. So I need to strengthen my mind so that whatever comes my way, I know that there's eventually a fall off point. I don't care how close you get as long as you don't fall. I don't care how close you get as long as you don't fall. You got to say no. This is, that's when, See, usually when somebody falls over, it's because they put everything that they've learned and heard on the back burner. You got to put yourself in remembrance of what you've been taught. You got to say, oh no, I understand what's going on. I understand the pressure that's going on. But Jesus didn't have it. I'm not going to be pressed. I'm not going to be depressed. No, there's a falling point. So you have to tell yourself, I'm not going to fall in that area. Why? Because I have enough godly knowledge that I'm beyond that point. You need to look at it and say, you know what? That's old, that, that's old manner there. Those things I used to do. That's not, that, I'm beyond that. Try something else. I'm beyond that point. You need to get beyond that point of falling of many things. Some things the devil has been for years and years and years. He's always come the same way because you've always fallen every time. So why do something new? Just go back that same way because they're going to fall. They're going to give in. But when you get beyond that falling point, that gets him a little concerned. They standing this time? They standing. He got to get his imps to get, let, let's get something else going. What, 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 you know, let's go back to some history stuff and let's see if she, they can do this or they can do that. I'm beyond that falling point. Now listen to me. We must study the knowledge of God. Listen to what I said. Study the knowledge of God. Not read. You got to study, not read. The more you know, the stronger we are. There's a connection between the spirit and the mind. The more we know, the stronger we are, there is a connection between the spirit and the mind. The more information that you put in your spirit of the word of God, the more powerful you're going to be. And again, I'm not talking about memory. Because you can have a photographic memory. It won't do you any good. You can read, you can, you can read the Bible and remember it. But guess what? Just the words in this Bible don't save you. Anybody can read John 9, 10, and 
Anybody can read anything in the Bible. It, that doesn't save you just to read it. It is the illumination of the Holy Spirit into the insight of what you've read. What the words mean. That's what saves you. And that's what increases you in knowledge. It's the insight. It's not just, that's why I say you have to study it. You can't read it because if you read it, it's just words. It's not going to, you've got to have insight in it. I need insight in what I just read. I need that to be, uh, be illuminated to me. I need to understand exactly what he's telling to me at this time. Because see, in his word, he can use one, one passage of scripture. And it can go, I'm telling you, it can go ever so far. So you have to know what he's dealing with you about at that time and be illuminated with that passage of scripture for you. God, I need to be illuminated with that. I know what it says here. And most of the time, because God is so good, most of the time, if you're doing a study like that and you belong to a church, God is going to give it to the leaders. They're going to just teach on it. You don't have to tell them what you're doing. You just teach on it. You'll be like, oh my God, God just answered me. There's a connection. There's a connection. you got to believe that. You remember our founding pastor would always say, just come to this church. Don't tell nobody about what's going on in your life. We don't need to know that. And I guarantee you, God will speak, speak to you. You don't have to tell anybody anything. And we still stand on that. You don't have to say a word. That way you'll be able to really receive it. Because if you tell someone and it be preached, then you'll say, they told them. But if you don't tell anyone and it's preaching, you're more apt to receive it. And say, now nobody told them that. Because nobody knows that but me. Thank you, Jesus. And then in the process, Jesus said, yes, just keep your mouth closed. And I'll always answer you just like that. You know, some of us feel like we just have to tell everybody everything. You don't have to tell everybody everything. Especially people you don't even know you can trust. Be very, very careful with that. Amen? It's the light of the knowledge of God and only the Holy Ghost that can turn on the light so anybody, anybody that wants to know and understand the knowledge of God can. Oh, no, I don't know if I can. Yes, you can. Because we're not dealing with spooky stuff. We're dealing with the reality of the Word. We're not here to try to spook you up with, with things. Amen? See, anybody can memorize Ephesians, Genesis. Anybody can recite it. But until the Holy Ghost shines light on it, you'll never understand it. Until the Holy Spirit shines light on the knowledge of it, you won't understand it. Amen. You'll just read it as information. So, what happens is, when we put the word down on the inside of our spirits, and that's what we have to do, you have to read the Bible through, and then you have to study the Bible through. When you read it, then study it. Don't just read, just study it. What happens is, in the time of need, and in the time when issues come up, and in life, and they will come up. Listen, I'm going to show you how it works, so you see you won't do it. If you would read the scriptures, study them, and a situation come up in your life, 
Guess what? He might not take you back to that scripture, but he'll give you an answer to your situation because you have understanding of that scripture. Did you did you get that? See, God's probably not gonna He's not gonna say, Well, okay, you're going through that, go run and get your Bible. He's not gonna do that. He'll take that verse of scripture, but he'll and he'll give you an answer to how you ought to act in that situation you're in. Did you hear what I said? Because you studied it. And it's a part of you. And something has come up. You don't have a Bible with you. You don't have your notes with you. But it's in your spirit because you've studied it. He'll give you how you should act in that situation. There's a relationship between the inner man and the mind. So first of all, develop the proper attitude. Most of us have the attitude, well, I'm going to do this so I can please God. You do things just to please God. I'm going to go to church because that pleases God. Some people act a certain way. Listen, some people act a certain way just so that other Christians will know that they're all right. So that they'll know that they're just, they're all right. They'll just act a certain way. Just so they'll know that they're all right. You know, they'll act a certain way. They'll do a certain thing. You know, let me just do this in front of them to make them think I'm all right. That's the wrong attitude. See, I'm going to be me. It's too hard being someone else. It's too hard faking the issue. It, that's just too much trouble when you could just be you. That's just too much trouble. But I'm telling you, that is not right to do. That's the wrong attitude. Wrong attitude. Your attitude should be that I have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus in my heart and it is real. See, it is real. If you have a personal relationship with God in your heart, then it's real. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to act a certain way in front of somebody. See, it has nothing to do with who's looking or who even cares that you're acting like that. In the secrecy of your own life and in your own heart. That's who you are. Whether you're in light or whether you're in darkness. Whether I'm with someone or whether I'm alone. That's who you are. So I'm who I am with whoever I'm with. I'm, I, I just can't. I, that, that would just be too tiresome. That's just too tiresome. Because why? I want to be like my father. I change not. I'm the same way. I want it to be said, you know, whenever I'm around Pastor, she's still always the same. She's just the same. I don't want to be way up here because I'm not. I know exactly where I am. And God knows exactly where I am. So I'm not going to pretend. And then you have to meditate on what you know. Not only do you study it, meditate on it. 
Muse it in your head. Flip it over. Turn it around. Just keep meditating on it. Get you some quiet time. I like what the minister said this morning. Have a date night with God and just meditate. God, we're going to have a meditation night. Just me and you. Meditate on what you know. Now when the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that we should have our senses exercised, now how do you do that? Well, you do that through meditation. That's how you exercise. Do meditation on God's Word, for example. That's exercising your senses. For every thought that comes to your mind that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God, punish it right then, right there. Don't wait. Don't meditate. Don't keep thinking about it. Punish it. Don't wait. The longer you wait, the more it's going to settle in you. Like, ooh, that thought was, oh, no, 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 no. I must punish you. I have the mind of Christ. I will not think that way. You young adults, you see these, these, especially you college students, you're on campuses and you did, and you see somebody that's fine or you see some, your thoughts just going everywhere. You bring them back. You say, oh no, wait a minute, hold up. Now that's out of order, not a line. And I'm not gonna think that way. You know, you, you, you need to challenge yourself. You ought to give yourself something that you do every time a wrong thought comes. To embarrass that thought. So you know what? Every time you do that, I'm going to do whatever it is that you wouldn't normally do. I'm going to make you pay. Every time you do that, I'm going to go and I'm going to read a chapter. That I'm going to read more. I'm going to read three chapters. Well, let me tell you, you probably won't never have no thought. They were like, no, they, they said, I don't need none of that. I don't need you reading up on no stuff. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't need that. Better still say, somebody that you've, you've, you've connected with, say, every time I get a wrong thought, I'm going to call them. And you know what they're going to do. Not, not, don't call her. Oh, she's going to wear you up. She ain't going to let you get off the phone. She's going to talk, talk that down. Yeah, she's going to run that thing right out of your head. You can't be afraid of that. Say, no, I need to talk to, I need to, talk to somebody strong because this thought is strong. See, because, see, a lot of things happen with you young people. From fornication, masturbation, from all kinds of things. And thoughts just start coming and start flooding in. And it start, because hormones already kicked in. Parents, you're not going to get around that. I'm sorry. I know we would love to just, you know... But, but you're just not going to get around that. They're, they're already there. But all those things come around. That's when you have to say, nope, that's the wrong thought. Now, when you start getting into sexual things that, that may bother you, you really need to talk to somebody mature, somebody that can help you. And most of the time, that will never be your parents. You can't, just, you can't even think of talking to your parents about that. But you need to talk to somebody. And quick. Especially if you haven't got to that point where I'm not going to fall. I'm beyond that point. If you're not beyond that point, you need help. 
And you need to say, well, I'm going to call them and I can trust that they're not, you know, they, they're just going to help me right where they are. But it has to be somebody that's spiritual, somebody that's mature, not somebody talking about, what? As they look and say, what, what, what? No, you don't need to talk to nobody like that. No, no, not the what, what? Uh-uh. You need to talk to somebody to say, I understand. I was 18. I was 19. I was 20. And then you need, and, and, and listen, you need to meet them where they are. Stop trying to act like because where you are now, you always been that way. You was a thug heathen. Stop acting like you were holy. Says no, you were not. You have to tell them I was once there, and I lost control, and this is what happened to me. Tell them that you're failing, so you can help them not to fall. Saying, let me tell you how it messed up my life, but how God got me back on track. You gotta let them know just like that. Stop acting like you're so good. You know when God said you were dead in your trespasses and sin, He was being nice. He was trying to say you was a thug heathen from the beginning. That's what He really was saying. Straight up. We can clean it up and dress it up, but you were a thug heathen. And when somebody comes to you that loves the Lord, that may be struggling, and you want to act like you can stand, you can do that. No, I'm going to help you stand. First of all, I'm going to show you how wrong it is. And I'm going to tell you about my own faults. I'm going to tell you how I was once wrong and how God brought me out. And how you don't have to go down that road. Because see, all the young people, they look at the older people like they've always been the way they are. I remember when my children were young and they were like, Mom, I can't even see you, you know, I can't even see you being a teenager. I can't see, I said, well, I was one. I was one. I, that just don't even, you know, nah, that just don't even, that, it don't even, yeah, because you, because all you know is what you see now. They don't want to hear no stories. <laughs> They'd be like, oh God, no! I don't want to hear no stories about you. You know, I, I used to always tell my sons, because they sound like their dad on the phone. And sometimes they, uh, the call and stuff, and you know, me and my husband, we play on the phone different stuff. And I said, you better tell me your name, or you go hear something, you go say, ah! <laughs> I said, you, I said, you better tell me who, I said, you sound like your dad. I said, we start talking to, Ma, I said, you better say, this is Isaiah. And this is Isaac. Don't go no further. Because I said, hey. He said, oh, no, uh-uh. This is, I said, oh, well, you just let me know. Because you don't want to know. Oh, let me tell you. The, children don't want to know nothing about their parents. But they were once teenagers. They were once 20. They was once 21. I know to you they're old now. But there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. Everything that you are going through, they went through. I know you don't believe it. No, because I know the way my mother is. She's not. No, no, no. That's your mother. That was the time she didn't have you and she wasn't your mother. 
He wasn't your father. He was just that guy. And she was just that girl. I know it just don't seem right, does it? But it's also right. You can't see because your parents are trying to tell you everything now about what's what. You can't see because you think they don't know, but I promise you they know. They know about your thoughts. They had them. Oh my God, my mother had this, my father had this kind of thought. Yeah. Frail human. They did. And maybe they conquered it, maybe they didn't, but either way, where they are now, let me tell you, it it, it got to that grave for a reason. Somebody ministered to them. So now we're trying to minister to you. You don't have to go there. You don't have to go there. Amen? And especially because I want you young people to know, don't you go rushing and doing nothing. I don't want you rushing and doing nothing because you don't have to. You just be slow on everything. Just be careful. Life so uncertain. Talk to your parents or talk to someone. Find somebody that's mature, that's going to keep, going to be private, that's going to be, not going to put your business out, going to just talk to you and say, okay, tell me what's going on. You got to punish those thoughts. I punish my mind all, I punish my mind almost every day. You got to punish it. Nobody's exempt. You got to punish it. You got to tell yourself, I'm above that kind of thought. Did you hear me? And then you tell that mind, you know, here's what we're going to do. Since you did that, we need exercising. Then go meditate on God's Word. I know it doesn't seem like, no, no, you really need to learn to do that. That needs to become a part of your everyday life, to meditate on God's Word. Meditate on it long enough to wash that out of your mind. Don't move from meditation until it washes it out of your mind. And believe me, it will. You meditate on that long enough, it'll wash it out. Don't let any thought hang around your mind. Don't let it hang there. Well, I was thinking about it, but I just put it in the back of my mind. No, that's called hanging around. It has to be washed out. How to strengthen your spirit by the knowledge of God. How do you strengthen your mind with the knowledge of God? And how do you strengthen your body with the knowledge of God? Go with me, last scripture, Proverbs chapter 3. I had to say it. I want you young people winning. Proverbs chapter 3. If you can see, if we can strengthen the body through the knowledge of God, and we can. We're going to see what God says about it. Are you in Proverbs chapter 3? Beginning at verse uh, 1. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For listen what it says. See, when you read, make sure you're listening to what it says. I'm going to take that slow. For my son, and when it says my son, this is, let me tell you, gender neutral, sons or daughters. 
Forget not thy, my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Why? For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the tabernacles of thine heart. He's telling you what to do. Verse 4. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy path. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Now, if you would do all of that, look at what he says in verse 8. If you do all of that, verses 1 through 7, look what he said in verse 8. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Now, you know what? Now, listen, listen. Really, now that, that should have just... If I do 1 through 7... Number eight is mine. Yes. If I do one through seven, verse eight is mine. Yes. You read it again. So God's word is medicine. Are you with me? God's word is like a time release health running, running, running through your body. That's why you got to get it in there, that inner man. It's like a time release deal. And the more you run, and whatever, it's just releasing all of those things. Health, marrow to your bone. And you know, the marrow, blood goes to the marrow. And the life is in the blood. Ooh. Mm, that's good. Write these down quickly. To get your body strengthened with the knowledge of God, we have to do first, number one, we must be filled, uh, we must fill our spirit with the knowledge of God. Number two, we must fill our minds with the knowledge of God. Number three, we must develop the proper attitude towards others. Now that's good. You have to have an attitude toward others. Develop the right attitude Toward others. Are you with me? I love it. Notice what it says in verse 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the, upon, upon the tables of thine heart. Number four, we must trust in the Lord. You have to trust the Lord. Trust Him. Number five. You must avoid humanism. See, oh, that's just that's just the human part of me. You must avoid that when it comes to the godly knowledge. Are you with me? We number six. We must always, always acknowledge God. And number seven, we must depart from evil. Now, if we do these things, His word will be medicine to our flesh. You know that you would not have to do so much desperate praying for healing if you would just live like this. If you would just live like this. 
all the desperate healing that we, we pray for, you wouldn't have to do all of that if we would just live like this. If we would let our inner man, our spirit filled, be spirit filled with the knowledge of God. Let our minds be saturated with the knowledge of God. Develop the proper attitude. This is a development that happens. The proper attitude toward other people. What kind of attitude do you have toward other people? Check yourself. What kind of attitude do you have toward others? All these things proceed developing the proper attitude towards others. All of these things must be in place. Because when it's in place, you can have the right attitude toward others. We're talking about, now, now see, I know. And I remember when this ministry first started, we used to talk about, yeah, when you're going to get older. Well, we're all in that older place. I know you're young now, and it seems like it's so far away, but it's not. You're going to need this to be in place. You're going to need this to be in place. Because you have flesh. We must trust the Lord. And there's two things that you'll find that most believers, most, that, that you won't find in most believers. Most, most believers, not all, but did you know most believers, they don't trust God. And a lot of them don't love God. I'm not talking about sinners. I'm talking about believers. Most believers don't trust God and most of them don't love Him. Hmm, that just don't sound right, does it? Now, that, now, now, let me, let me, let me, let me put it this way. Now, there's many that love the things of God, but not God. Many love the things of God. Many love the trappings of God. Many love what God has done and will do for them. See, they love all of that. But there are very few, there's not many believers that just love God. Just God. Without this, without the trappings and around the, you know, uh, you know all the things of God and what He'll do for me. But just love God. I mean, just love Him the way Job loved Him. Job said, Don't you slay me. Yet will I trust Him. How many of God's people just love Him like that? How many of you could love Him if your child died? Because all of Job did. How many of you can still love him when your spouse died? If you think it's not a challenge, just wait. Just wait. And if you not if you if you don't have a working relationship with God, it will be hard. This thing has nothing to do with what I can see. It can't. Nothing to do with what I can see. 
I like Job because Job said, you know what? There's a relationship between me and you. No matter what happened. Losing all that I had, I still have a working relationship with you. You're still my God and I can't change. No thing, no person, no situation, no circumstance, nothing can change our relationship. There's not many believers that love God and trust Him like that. When there's love and trust in God, you will be able to do like Job did. Did you hear me? You do like Job did. And you'll say, I'll wait until my change comes. I've learned this love over the last three years. And it's something you have to work on. This is how you avoid humanism. Because if you start thinking the human way, it's like, why? When? Why? Why me? Why? Why could it be somebody else? Why? That's, That's what humanism will do. That's why you don't get caught up with it. That's why you lean not into your own understanding. That's why in all your ways you acknowledge Him. And He'll direct your path. And see, most of us, we act, and then we expect God to get us out of that act we did, because it's trouble. We never consider God before we act. We never consider God before we act. And that's one of the things that's so important to do, is to start considering God before you act. We always do it, and then we consider God. But when you love God, like, wait a minute, God, before I do anything, I, I need to consider you. If you. God said, if you do that, if you just acknowledge me, if you just acknowledge me and depart from evil, I'm going to show you what I'm going to do for you. But we, we talk ourselves into it and put God in it. Do everything we want to do and say, God, now help us. God said, did you even consider me before you did that? Did you even consider me? No, God, but I knew you'd always... you Because, you know, we could take some scripture to God. But I know you said you'd never leave me or forsake me. You know, we... And you're right. And while you go through what you just put yourself here, I'll be right here. There's no magic with God. He'll keep you in perfect peace because His Word is medicine to all of our flesh, even the marrow to our bones when we do one through seven. 
And when you understand, when you read that now, you look at marrow in a bone, the blood is manufactured through the bones. So no wonder he put that there. And the life is in the blood. He said, I'll be good to your marrow. His word, this is what I love, his word cuts through the marrow of your bones right into the blood. What a mighty God. His word cuts through the marrow of your bones. So as the blood reproduce in the body and start traveling to all of your extremities, because your blood has to travel to all your extremities, then we'll understand it better by and by. We'll understand it maybe next week in Leviticus. Maybe next week we'll understand it in Leviticus. Or maybe the week after. But no, it's marrow to your bones. I gotta read that number seven again. With no number eight. It shall if I do one through seven, it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Oh my goodness. How many times have we read that? And how many times have we understood it? I would go and meditate one through seven, read it over and over and over and over, because I know you're young and healthy now. You don't feel like you need it. Oh, but you do. New don't last new long. Young don't last young long. But even we have young that can suffer in their bodies because of foolish choices and foolishness. We're not going to be those people. There is strength in godly knowledge. There's strength. There's safety. There's strength. There's safety their strength. If you would just get persistence, consistency will get you where you need to be. No matter what. Don't let fear mm-mm. godly knowledge reduces fear. Fear calls failure. I don't know. I was kind of scared to do that. Fear if you were scared to do it, guess what? You lack knowledge in that area. Anything that you have fear of, you lack knowledge in it. Say, so, well, you know what? Wait a minute. Um, I lack knowledge in that area. I need, to che- I need to check on that. You young people, those of you that are streaming, and you're hearing, I'm telling you, trust someone that's smarter than you. I know, I know you think you're smart because you can work a computer. Find someone that's smarter than you. Confide in them. Let them help you. 
And I guarantee you, when you're 35, when you're 40, you'll look back and you'll give the testimony. I remember that day. It was around 2021, almost 2022. And I remember Pastor. She's going on to be with the Lord now. And she talked about that. And I was struggling and nobody knew. She told me to find somebody. And I did. And they helped me through. And this is my life. And oh, what a life you will have because you listened. You let them mentor you. You let them impart some things. See, you don't see it now. But I guarantee you'll be 40, 50 years old and say, I thank God for that day. And then you'll say, and now I'm ministering to my children. Because I'll never forget it. Now I'm telling them. Because I see even clearer now. But that day saved my life from a living hell. And she never knew. Because I don't have to know. Because guess what? It's all his work. He gives the increase. I just simply plant and water. He gives the increase. So I'm telling you now, right where you are, yes, I'm speaking to you. Yes, I'm speaking to you. That's God speaking to you. And what you do with it, when you're 50 and I'm gone, and you, you know what? And then somebody's going to get up and get that testimony and say, I remember that day. And I didn't listen. I thought she was just kind of saying something. I didn't think it applied to me. Look at my life. It's a mess. I wish I would have listened. But it was a mess. I've come to know the Lord now, and I tell anybody, when the elders speak, you better listen. And you better, not only, you better take that understanding and move with it. Because it will change your life. It changed mine. I changed it a little late. And I went through some things because I didn't listen. I'm on track now, but how much time I wasted. And how many things I have to go through still because of that wrong choice. But God is with me. But you don't have to go there. Today is your victory. Today is your victory. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.